Well, hi. We're still on our What About series and what, you know, what about the things in life that it doesn't seem like maybe Christianity actually addresses. You know, what is it that about this relationship with Christ that helps me with the various things I struggle with? If it's, you know, sin or depression or not getting along with my spouse or whatever, you know, what about those things? How do we deal with that? Uh, was salvation just good to get me some of my fire insurance? I don't, I don't go to hell someday. I get to go to heaven when I die. Uh, but what about life until then? How, how does that work? Well, you know, last week we talked about the law. And, you know, what about the law? And we've talked about that several times over the years that, um, you know, the law has a good purpose. It, was righteous. it is righteous, holy, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. But the purpose it was given for was to enlighten us to something. It's turning a bright light in a dark place, but it doesn't actually fix what we see in that dark place. Uh, by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It, it doesn't, we don't overcome sin by the law. The law just exposes sin. All right, so sin is an interesting thing. It's not um, like we have a tendency to think a bad action. You know, something we do that's overtly ungodly or mean-spirited or whatever. Those are sins, but what is sin at its root? Sin goes back to something we see in the Garden of Eden when uh, the serpent deceived Eve and deceived her in such a way that she would not trust God. And that is the very root of sin, not trusting God in this moment, in this way. And what, what am I trusting him to do? Well, to give me uh, the truth and direction I need to address the situation in front of me. Uh, I feel um, lonely or depressed or angry or whatever. And deception says, I know how to fix that. Uh, stand up for yourself, you know, get even with that person, uh, whatever. Whereas God would say something like, Love your enemies. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Oh, that's really hard, it seems like. But in truth, it's actually pretty simple and not always pleasant because um, sometimes, just like Jesus and the apostles experienced, when we follow the Lord's will in that moment, what does he want me to do? What does he want me to say? It doesn't mean people are going to always respond to us and say, oh, that's great, thank you. Uh, you know, most of the time, or a significant part of the time, people think you're either crazy or something else uh, when you respond in a godly manner. So sin is a struggle that we have, choosing to do things that are ungodly, things that are out of character, because we were made to, to be in the image of God, to live the kind of life he lives, to be the kind of person he is. That's what we were created for. We've been deceived into looking for a different way to get our needs met, to protect ourselves, to make us into somebody and uh, significant and those kind of things. There's a great book by Robert McGee called uh, Search for Significance. It talks about four basic lies that people believe that uh, tend to draw them into uh, ungodly behavior, ways of living after the flesh and so forth that um, we always look back later and go, you know, I feel bad about doing that or whatever. Okay, so let's look at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It says, uh, I am afraid 
lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. All right, so from the very beginning, the great deceiver, the liar, the liar and the father of all lies, who is actually very good at lying. Uh, you know, a good liar is someone who's able to make, <clears throat> excuse me, something that's not true sound true. Okay? You know, if, if, he, if he wasn't any good at it, we'd go, eh, whatever, and just walk away. But he's very good at packaging his deception in such a way that it draws us towards something that's destructive for us and others, towards sin, towards not trusting God in the moment. Because that's what sin is. You know, the Bible says whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Well, not faith in faith or faith in myself or faith in whatever, faith in God. We were created to live life that results from trusting God. Trusting God. You know, we are righteous by faith, the Bible says. Uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so this whole thing of trusting the Father, trusting the one who created us. And not only that, we're trusting the one who through Christ now lives inside of us. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you. And he is there permanently to lead and guide and instruct and lead you into all truth, the Bible says, and enlighten us to things that are going on around us and how to respond. But the, the world has all these other ways. And we'll look at, well, yeah, what about the world's wisdom in a week or so? What about these good ideas the world has? What do we do with those? Well, we'll look at that. But right now we're talking about what's, what do you do with sin? Well, sin is literally choosing to live contrary to design. And what do I mean by that? Well, we were designed to be in his image, not apart from him, but in conjunction with him, by connection with him. That's why when Adam and Eve chose not to do that, they, when they were separated from God, that, like it says, as in Adam, all die. Uh, we, we became separated as a race, as a species. You know, humanity was completely separated from God. But Christ already knew before the foundation of the world that part of this whole thing of making us in his image would require redemption, the shedding of his blood. You know, the Bible says the lamb who was slain was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So before God ever said, let there be light, he knew that part of bringing this thing to fruition, part of completing what he started in us was going to require the shedding of innocent blood on our behalf. And it was going to have to be his blood because there wasn't any blood that would work, any other blood that would work besides his. So we were designed to live life like God as a result of trusting God, our Father, the one who loves us, the one who planned before he ever started to do whatever it took to bring us back into that close union with him in such a way that we could get to know him and walk with him. That's why as Paul said, I gave up everything that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. He wants to, he said, I gave up all this worldly ideas and even my religious ideas of how to be right with God and how to live life in favor of this relationship of knowing God. You know, Jesus even said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
Okay, so that's, that's what eternal life is. That's John 17, I believe, 3. So it's, it's all about knowing him and trusting him so that in the moment, what I'm doing, what I'm saying is what he's doing and saying. That's living by faith. All right, so again, the law wasn't able to stop us. Um, you know, the stop sign at the corner or the speed limit sign or whatever sign you see on the road doesn't actually make you do anything. It just tells you something. There's something inside of you that, that chooses to obey that sign or not. But here's the deal. Let's say there's a curve in the road and they post a slower speed limit in that area because it's dangerous to go around that, that curve slower, any faster than, say, 25 miles an hour. So they post that sign. Okay, if they didn't post the sign <clears throat> and you went around the corner at 80 miles an hour, you wind up in a ditch or off the side of the mountain or something. Well, if they post the sign and you go around the corner at 80 miles an hour, you still wind up in the ditch. See, the sign didn't fix the problem. And the sign actually didn't create the problem. Going around the corner too fast was going to get you hurt whether there's a sign there or not. So out of compassion for us as uh, motor vehicle operators, the, uh, the governing authorities put up these signs to warn us, to show us something, to alert us to something. But the sign doesn't fix it any more than the law can fix our sin. Okay, so the law says, don't do that. Okay, well, that doesn't actually fix my problem of wanting to live independent from God, it just reveals the problem that I'm trying to live independent from God on my own strength, on my own power. All right, so what, do we, what has he done in, instead of that? Well, he's given us himself. He's given us a permanent, attached, life, eternally long companion who will never leave us or forsake us. That's why it describes salvation as like marriage where the man and the woman become one this is a mystery that refers to Christ in the church. And we talked about the great mystery hidden in plain sight a few weeks ago. And so it's important to realize that Christianity isn't a new set of rules to follow. It's a living relationship with our Heavenly Father that we get to walk with Him by faith in our moments every day. Now, there's a maturing process that takes place in order to do that consistently. And faith really is just all about consistently trusting God. Another thing about the law in Galatians 4.9, it says, but now that you've come to know God, or rather be known by God, now that you have this relationship with him, how is it you turn back again to the weak, worthless, elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? And they were going back to keeping the law, keeping rules in order to try to figure out how to live life. And people were telling them, this is how you need to do this. He said, don't do that. It's, it's worthless. It doesn't actually help you because what you have now is a relationship that you know God and he knows you. It's this intimate relationship that you're walking together throughout your circumstances. Now, myself and you and everybody else, we're in a growth pattern in our ability to do what we've been given the ability to do. You know, when you were born again, you were given the ability to do this. But being immature and the world system still being around us, 
we get faked out by Satan and his lies. That's why the first verse, he said, I'm concerned. You know, Paul was talking to this church at Corinth that you're being deceived just like the serpent deceived Eve. Deceived away from what? Away from, your, from this pure and simple relationship with Christ. Now, that's very important. Uh, that doesn't need to be improved on. It's not like, okay, that's how we get started in this relationship with God. We need a bunch of other stuff to actually make it work. No, that's all you need to make it work. As simplistic and naive maybe as that sounds, knowing God and following him by faith is all we need in and through every situation that we face in life. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says, Therefore, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that, he did all that, in order that, the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And what is the requirement of the law? Live righteously. Well, you can't do that by the law. It's the law of sin and death. You, you try to keep the law, we tend to sin and break the law, and it just brings death. Okay, so what? how do we do this? When you walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. You know, in Galatians, again, he said, having begun in the Spirit, are, now, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He said, don't go back to something that's just self-effort to live righteously. Let's walk in the, by the Spirit. Galatians 5 says, you know, the deeds of the flesh are evident, lists a whole bunch of terrible stuff. But it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And so rather than walking after the flesh, we're to walk by the Spirit. Okay, and who is he? Well, he's God living on the inside of us, directing and, and sealing us and keeping us and comforting us and all those things the Bible tells us that he's doing. So faith in our Father is following his spirit by faith, and that's what righteous living is. Trusting the Father. Okay, what did he do? He said, I will send you another comforter who will be with you and in you forever. And when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will do certain things, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and all those things. He's here for a purpose, okay? So why, did, why is he here? Because the Father sent him. Because of his great love for us. Again, we talked about several weeks ago how the Spirit is the earnest money of God's promises to us. And it's, by the way, it's the full amount. It's not a tiny little amount like we put down earnest money on a house. It's the whole price. He gives us himself as a guarantee of his promise to us to save us, to keep us, and to mature us to the fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ, it says in the book of Ephesians. In Colossians 2, 6 through 14, it says, As therefore ye have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You walk with him the same way you receive him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, 
and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority, and in him you also were circumcised with a circumcision not made with made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh from the circumcision of, by the circumcision of Christ. Therefore, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dreading your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, and which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So what does all that mean? Okay, we have been brought in, we've received Christ, and now we receive him by faith, we can walk with him by faith, not following after the principles of the world and the traditions of men and philosophies and those kind of things. We're here to walk with him by faith because he actually accomplished something in us, and it's absolutely complete. You are complete in Christ. Mature? No. Complete, yes. You know, when a baby is born, they got all the parts. They're complete. But they have to mature and learn how to live out the humanity they were born with. Well, when you were born again, we were given all the equipment, righteousness, holiness, all that stuff we need. We just don't know how to do any of it yet. And because the world is built on performance, we have to figure out what it is and do it ourselves. That goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, so, and the God of this world is still trying to deceive us with that. All right, so we think that, okay, now that I'm born again, i got to figure this out for myself. No, we're born again so we can walk with him by faith. Because he's over all the things in this world that would try to dominate and control us. He's removing the old flesh, the old ways of life. He's canceled that, that debt of guilt that stood against us because we were sinners. He nailed it to the cross. And so we have this new living relationship with our Heavenly Father through Christ and His indwelling Holy Spirit that helps us deal with life not based on rules, but based on following someone that we're walking with, that lives inside of us each moment of each day. Well, that's maturity as we grow into that. You know, one passage in Philippians 3, Paul talks about... Um, being perfect and not being perfect. Um, he says, you know, not that I'm already perfect, I've already obtained it, but I press on toward this goal. Well, that word perfect simply means mature, complete, I'm finished. I've, I have finally got to that place where it's consistent in my life. He says, I'm not there yet. And he's pressing toward that. But later he says, let those of us who are perfect keep holding on to what we have. And I believe what he's saying is this. As I'm growing in Christ, I am reaching levels of maturity. And he says, let's not slip back on that. Let's not give up the things we've attained in our ability to trust God in this area of life. But I also realize I have more to go in my ability to trust God in other areas of life, maybe even more in any one particular area of life that I've already reached a level of maturity. So there's this constant growth, uh, learning to trust God more and more which I believe is the result of knowing him more and more. Knowing something about him you never knew before. And you could think, well, what else is there to know? Well, he's actually infinite, okay? Um, knowing him 
I believe, will be an eternal process. By the time we die and go to heaven, we won't know everything there is to know about God. We'll just have a lot of the uh, smoke screen in front of us taken out of the way so we'll actually get to know him better. So I, th I like to think of it this way. We, have we now have eternal life if you're in Christ. And we will spend eternity getting to know infinity. And it'll all be good. It'll be grand. It'll be glorious. It'll be challenging. I think it'll be mind-blowing. It'll be those, wow, never thought about that before. And that's just, you know, another step in the process of knowing him more and more. You know, the Bible says it hasn't even entered the hearts of man what God has prepared for us. And it's all good. And it's not streets of gold and crown jewels and all that kind of stuff that yeah, the Bible does talk about those things, but we're going to consider, you know, the gold? Well, that's what they walk on in heaven. <laughs> that's what their streets are paved with. That's, that's heavenly asphalt. Okay, it's no big deal in heaven. All right, so neither are the diamonds. They use those for foundations on the, on the buildings. You know, they, it's like gravel in the concrete that they pour the foundations with in heaven. All these precious jewels it talks about. The glorious thing about heaven is the presence of God. And that's where we're going to be, you know, eternally getting to know him. In uh, 1 Corinthians 6.11, it says, and, and such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus uh, and in the Spirit of God. Okay, so whatever we were, we were washed, sanctified, set apart. We've been justified. You know, Romans uh, 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's a great word, justified. There's nothing yet that stands that has to be dealt with before I can have peace with God. Uh, the thing I'm going to do this afternoon or tomorrow or sometime in the future that's wrong and is ungodly, I don't need to be re-justified because I do that. The work of Christ was sufficient once and for all. Whenever we turned to him, understood who he was, received him and believed in him. You know, John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, he gave the right to become the sons of God, even to those who believed on his name. So that's done. It all happened in Christ. But there's a growing process that I've been talking about here. And uh, when we focus, however, on our sin, we tend to sin. But when we focus on, right, on the righteous one, we tend to live righteously. Not a righteous rule, say this instead of that. We tend to focus on or do what we focus on. So let's not focus on the law, righteous rules. Let's focus on the righteous one, Christ. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin, which easily entangles us, and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on the law. No, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, trusting the Father, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, so here it is. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the, he's the author and the finisher of faith. He's the one who shows us how to live faith and lives in us to help us walk out that trusting relationship with our Father. If you go on in Hebrews 12, it talks about 
whom the Father loves. He disciplines and corrects. If you're left without discipline, you're not his kid. He says he does these things to, that we might share his holiness. It's a great chapter to read about this relationship and how we live as a result of the righteousness we've received by faith and then walking in that relationship by looking at the righteous one. Well, how do we do that? Well, the Bible's helpful in that regard, reading about Jesus. But you also have Jesus living inside of you. His Holy Spirit lives in you. And he helps us understand stuff. He guides us into truth. He, gets us, he helps us get the idea about what it means to trust God. And why would God do certain things? <clears throat> or how about we just trust him if we under, whether we understand him or not? Uh, and let him choose our words and actions in any given moment. Now, I realize that that doesn't seem as easy. You know, it seems to be easier to have a list of rules to live up to. You don't know, check them off. Well, I didn't cuss today, and I didn't do that, and I did do this. That was a good thing I was supposed to do according to the law. I didn't do this bad thing that I wasn't supposed to do according to the law. It seems easier to check off the list. But we can check off the list with a completely wrong attitude. The Pharisees and the scribes and the priests in Jesus' day had checked all the boxes. Paul was one of those. He said, as to the law, I was blameless. I checked every box. You couldn't accuse me. But I was the chief of all sinners, he said. You know, so checking off the list isn't, isn't righteousness. and Because you, you can do that with a wrong heart, a wrong attitude, a wrong reasoning. You know, I'm, I'm making myself righteous before God. And self-righteousness is actually a non-existent thing. You can't make yourself righteous. But we become righteous by faith, and we learn to walk with him by faith. Faith in what? Faith in him, by focusing on him in our moments. All right, so I hope this has helped. You know, dealing with sins, the particular things we deal with, we all struggle with that. And maybe we need to talk to somebody. How do I overcome this uh, greedy thing I've got going on or this judgmental attitude or this desire to steal from people. I don't know. Whatever it happens to be. Okay, we can talk about that, but what we'll do is work our way down to the bottom and find out that well, behind that is another idea you've learned to believe is actually false. You've been deceived. And it looks like this sinful behavior is the way to make life work because of the deception that you've been given but that deception only leads to destruction the the things we do as a result of deception never help they always hurt all right so we'll talk about this some more i'm sure in the future especially when we get to talking about the world system and all of that well, let's pray father thank you that you uh, certainly are aware of our sin problem uh, thank you that you dealt with it eternally through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and through faith in Him, we receive your righteousness and holiness by faith, and that you start the process at the moment of our new birth of finishing what you started in us when you wanted to make us in your image. And that is a, a, not only a done deal through salvation and in in giving us your righteousness and holiness, but it's the ongoing nurturing process that you uh, involve yourself in in the lives of all your children to bring us to that level of maturity where we trust you in our moments so that your words and your actions are what we're saying and doing. Thank you that you'll never fail with any of your children, that you'll succeed with each one of us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.